Welcome, everybody, to this week's Science Metaverse podcast. I'm Keita Funakawa. And I'm Steve McCloskey. Yeah, so we have a bunch of topics today. Um, it feels like this is somewhat of the calm before the storm. We had the uh, Apple iPhone event this week. Not too much on on the Metaverse AR VR side of things. Um, but the first piece of uh, news and topic that we want to talk about actually is that the F- Vive Focus 3 gets facial tracker and eye tracker. Um, so uh, this is, uh, they actually just uh, kind of announced this via a blog post. Um, and so now if you have a Vive Focus 3, which happens to be a lot of our users, uh, then you can now track your face and eyes, uh, which is really uh, cool to see because um, I think that, you know, there's more and more that's coming out with eye tracking, face tracking, uh, different avatars that support this, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, kind of a, a nice uh, little add-on uh, to the Vive Focus 3 ecosystem here. Yeah, they're continuing their kind of like modular design uh, with like the Vive ecosystem, you know, in terms of like uh, the trackers, you know, they started off with just you know, lighthouse boxes and the headset, the controllers, and they came out with the tracker. Um, but, you know, adding different attachments to the headsets, uh, I think it's a good move. Um, yeah, I think that there were some companies in our um, Vive uh, X Accelerator that uh, I remember kind of pitching this you know, face tracking type of stuff. So curious, uh, you know, how all that ended up. But I'm excited that, um, you know, we're going to be able to use, uh, you know, face tracking and um, you know, eye tracking and, and you know, all this cool stuff that's part of the future of XR, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, still kind of early days for all of those. Yeah, I think eye tracking in particular right now is like not that uh, widely used. And I, you know, part of the, it's a chicken and the egg problem because the hardware needs to be there in order for there to be, you know, support um, and the software wow. to develop. And, and the fact that uh, we're getting actually these types of features uh, in the Only hardware. 249. Um, it, it could be yours. You could have your own eye tracker. <laughs> Yeah, which actually puts the total cost of each Vive Focus 3 at around, like, what, $1,500 now? Something like that. Yeah, I'm curious what the price points of, um, you know, other players are going to be, you know, if Apple ends up ever launching their headset, which they did not announce. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I, I'm curious what other headsets are going to end up uh, getting yeah. priced at. Well, I mean, knowing Apple, they're probably going to go, they're going to they're gonna have less features in general, but more, um, you know, just, like, refined things um mm-hmm. one of the, kind of a uh tangent here but you know they finally uh had the um always on screen for the iphone pro uh or the iphone 14 pro that's coming out um which is you know a long time feature that android has had for years right um and so they're they're kind of late to the party when it comes to individual feature add-on but when they do roll it out it tends to be really really good um so i don't know did you did so you uh what do you mean it? it just like keeps your, your screen on forever yeah so kind of like the new uh i i um the uh apple watch where um there's always a screen the, they what, what it does oh. is it essentially lowers the refresh rate to be one hertz or something uh per mm-hmm. second and then and so and it's an oled screen so you, you also uh the, by design you have a lot of dark spots so then you're not using a lot of the pixels and so that that way, I mean, th- this is my understanding. I could be wrong here, but that's my, um, kind of fundamentally how 
always on displays work so that they conserve battery and whatnot. And I think, you know, like Android has had it for a while, but because it's like a blanket implementation, like you could have really bad battery performance um, on hardware that's not meant to, you know, that's not optimized for it. And, you know, given that the pros, uh, the iPhone 14 pros come with OLED screens um, and they have refresh the uh, screens that actually, you know, can go down to one hertz or whatever. Um, I think this is when they are actually rolling it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think I had that on my watch for a while, but um, the battery didn't last as long as uh, not having it. So switch it back. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm really particularly excited again, not necessarily the topic at hand about Vive Focus 3 per se, but the, uh, dynamic island that they mentioned uh is, is it looks really cool and like you know a lot of the buzz online has been how creative apple is uh with that sort of thing and it's basically a new um it's a new uh, notch but it's like it has features and it's like touchable and it kind of works with uh multi um uh what's the word um multitasking and things like that and so um, lots of good reviews about it, and uh, stoked. I'm I'm picking up my new 14 next week, so yeah. Well, I that. mean, like in terms of you know speculative Apple like UI UX, like I'm excited for what the floating island like VR, um, you know, cool dynamic for, island, you know. Steve. Dynamic yeah, island. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> dynamic island. Yeah, maybe in VR they call it floating island. Yeah, maybe it's uh, even better than dynamic <laughs> island. Dynamic floating island. Uh, yep. It's like I, I just I just want an island. I don't even I don't want a dynamic island. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's uh, I guess you know we snuck in some Apple news in there. But uh, that's the uh, Vive Focus Three. Um, speaking of AR and VR and hardware, um, we shall see if there is even new hardware or not. But uh, kind of the biggest news I would say in the AR VR land is that uh, Meta Connect has been announced. For October 11th, um, you know, Meta Meta Connect has a special place in our hearts because uh, we, you know, as Steve's been going to to uh, Oculus Connect back in the day since uh, OC2. Yep. OC2, I have all the shirts since OC3. OG VR community out there. Um, yeah, it was cool to, to interact with everyone in person. I guess yeah, now they're being hosted in the metaverse. Yep. Yeah. Well, and then Connect what was it eight in 2020 or seven? Uh, you know, we got featured in their Oculus for Business section, and yep. um, the the meme the world needs this right now kind of came about from their quotes talking about how we need we need scientists at home in drug discovery. Um, so um, yeah, yeah not uh, just really drug discovery, but like you know, just analyzing everything. Like yeah, we're not Australia making decisions about whether they should um you know be concerned about a variant or not uh, by yep. analyzing it in VR and understanding the mutations, understanding like. Oh, Omicron is highly contagious because of these residue mutations. Like, yeah, um, you know, it's what the world needed and it's still what the world needs. Um, but yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, spun out of that uh, Oculus Connect conference. Yeah, so interesting. I mean, Steve, I want to get your thoughts on uh, basically mm -hmm. this is uh, another year where Apple has gone in person for their uh, iPhone event and yet Meta is staying virtual with their connect event and so you know obviously there's like an obvious you know metaverse virtual angle here to be played and in fact john mm -hmm. carmack is slated to give his presentation fully virtually uh i think in vr this time um which is really cool to see as well but yeah i mean you, thoughts on them having it virtually and the contrast with apple having it in person 
You know, I, I think it's a direction. Um, you know, Meta probably wants to host these big in-person conferences in the metaverse. Sorry, like in-person, like live avatar interacting, um, but but not actually physically being there. So I, yeah. I think that you know they'll keep moving in that direction. Apple, you know, hasn't tried to reinvent themselves as like a metaverse company yet. You know, I don't know if they ever will. Um, but you know, there's no incentive for them to you know not be in person. Besides COVID, they obviously like. You got to take into consideration someone having in-person events still, um, but you know it's yeah. not as bad as it used to be before the vaccines were out. So yeah, there's companies yeah. that are cautiously going about in person, but I think yeah, as a mission, Meta is probably just moving towards the metaverse with the rest of their mission. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you said that Met, Met, or, uh, Apple doesn't have an incentive to go fully virtual, but I actually think Meta has. Um, you know, if there is new hardware, Meta should have an incentive to actually go in person because, you know, hardware is one of those things where like, especially new hardware, like I remember when I first tried mm-hmm. the touch controllers um, in 2016 and like, you know, it was like, uh, what, September, October of 2016. And like, that was like, that was more than a year uh, before yep. the touch controllers came out. And that was like a huge I, I like, kind of leg up. year before that. <laughs> right, right. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. I think that like there, there's a huge, you know, like difference, I think, when you get to try these things, especially as developers and the developer ecosystem. Because yeah. um, then, like, I don't know, it's just like, so I, I feel like um, I'm, I'm somewhat saddened because, you know, mm-hmm. if they do release mm-hmm. new hardware, then like, you know, like we can't check it out right away um, as devs, right? And so, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I feel like that is, and I think that that's like somewhat of a missed opportunity because I know that Apple went, you know, or, you know, I think I highly, you know, predict that Apple is going to actually have an in-person one when they do release their, you know, whatever headset, right? Um, Because they're already doing in-person sync for just for an iPhone, which is a marginal upgrade. It's not even like a big upgrade this year with with the (laughs) iPhone 14, right? So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, I kind of miss that aspect too. But like, yeah, they're kind of secretive at this point. Like, I I don't think that they are as open as like when they were, you know, Oculus in the past, but they're just like, oh yeah, like, we're the only VR thing out there pretty much like, yeah, we want more devs. Everyone try it out, try to like get people like hyped up. Now there's like real world use cases. Like people kind of need VR for some things. Like it's becoming a lot more like accepted part of the world. And, um, and there's a lot of competitors, you know, there's the whole, um, you know, windows mixed reality series. There's all the vibe stuff. Um, there's, you know, a uh, bite dance and the Pico Neo. Um, so, you know, there's just like a lot of people that are making VR XR hardware right now. And so I think that, you know, for them to have an in-person event where they show all the devs the cool new stuff like a year ahead of time, um, you know, I, I think as John Carmack would probably say, like the good old days of VR are over. And and I think that you know, back in the 20 teens, yeah, he would say like, hey, like these are the good old days of VR. Like you're going to look back this. So not like, to be technical, yeah. Steve, but that was Michael Abrash, not, not John Oh, was Carmack that Michael Abrash? That? <laughs> that totally was Michael Abrash. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I have to yeah. say it in that accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, like that that felt like 20 teens, good old days, small community, in person, seeing all the cool new stuff, getting hyped up, knowing it's going to be the future. And now we're like, yeah, it's becoming more ubiquitous. More people are using it. People are saving lives with the coronavirus research in VR. Like all these things are, are becoming a lot more normalized in society. So I think it's a, it's a good growth curve. You know, we're going to keep seeing it grow. 
Um, but yeah, probably looking at um, hardware a year before launch in public is all probably uh, not going to happen anymore, at least for Meta. Um, you know, if Apple does it, they would do it on the launch, show you the new stuff, right? Anyways, yeah, I'm excited for Meta Connect. Let's see what they have in store October 11th. Uh, so the next topic here is a really cool video uh, from a scientific developer about parsing natural speech and writing to specific commands by using GPT-3 uh, for, like, um, I believe it's in, um, I forgot what is in here. This is the, the video here. Have you seen this, Steve? Uh, no. Oh, it's it's really awesome. Well, um, you know, as you know, audio sharing doesn't work, so you should. Uh, oh, so it's using um, JS mole, um, and so basically the guy's like, "Hey, spin the molecule," and then the molecule starts spinning, and then like, um, you know, select all positive amino acids, and then like it selects all positive amino acids, um, and so the YouTuber here, um, uh, and actually um, the uh, the YouTuber name is Molecules in Web Augmented Reality. Um, so it seems like, you know, the, this person is definitely going towards, um, kind of, uh, an augmented reality, uh, angle, which is all really awesome to see, you know, we want, we want more of these types of things happening. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I just thought, uh, you know, cause uh, we have some NLP implemented, um, with, uh, you know, vo- basic, uh, voice commands and whatnot. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, would recommend, definitely recommend checking this out. Um, cause it's uh, really awesome. Yeah, um, you know, voice commands in XR, I think, go together. Um, you know, input doesn't have to be limited to your hands. You know, input could be based on eye movement. It could be based on speech. Um, you know, it, it could be other um, physical cues, gestures. So, that, you know, there's so many input modalities in the XR world. Um, you know, the fact that more people are, are working on this, you know, we've had this feature for, um, you know, years, you know, nanom select all, nanom color red, you know, just basic stuff. Uh, but the fact that they're not implementing GPT-3 uh, with these more complex AI algorithms that are you know, more computationally expensive to run as well, um, it's cool. You know, we're just going to keep seeing more of this. And and obviously, um, you know, we've had our talks about, you know, should we integrate GPT-3 through a plugin right now and actually have like you know, crazy good voice commands? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be getting there eventually in the future. Um, yeah, it's yeah. The the latency inevitable. is definitely like no- noticeable um, in this video demo, but uh, it's still very impressive, and I think it shows just such a tremendously bright future of combining these technologies yeah. together. Well, especially um, you know some so, people that um yeah they just want things to be like set up and they don't know like what buttons to click or, or whatever. They're just like oh hey like you know color it in this specific view and like show me the the binding pocket. Um, you know, just to be able to like naturally talk with it and actually have it do it. Um, yeah, like you're you're Tony Stark, and you know, that's Jarvis. Like, um, it's it's yeah. gonna it's gonna happen. We're getting there. Yep, yep. Cool. So, uh, definitely uh, check out the video in the show notes. Um, it's it's really awesome. Um, next up is more on the uh, uh, blockchain side of things in the metaverse. We haven't talked about that in in a while. Um, but Ethereum's upgrade Bellatrix is live. Um, and so I think we haven't really talked about the merge on this podcast yet. Um, but the merge is, I believe, set between September thirteenth and September fifteenth. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so I think Be- Beltrix is kind of like the, the next phase uh, that officially um, kind of starts the countdown with the blocks uh, for the merge. And so for those of you who are not familiar, the merge is 
the point in time uh, or slash event in which Ethereum officially switches from uh, proof of stake to sorry proof of work to proof of stake um so we're you know really excited about this of course proof of stake is known to be way more environmentally friendly uh, and way faster and less cost of uh, cost uh, bearing um for you know those um different transactions right so you know the, the classic example though you know gas fees has definitely come down uh recently is that you know a 50 nft would cost uh 200 to to transact especially when the prices were higher and that's just not sustainable for the ecosystem and so um you know this switch is definitely gonna um uh, address that and help with that and uh you know they've uh tested it on different types of, of uh, test nets such as uh robston and um, uh, those other test nets, which actually, you know, was a throwback for me seeing those names again, uh, given back when Matrix was on those test nets. But um, yeah, so this is uh, really, really exciting and it's going to be happening like next week. So I'm sure uh, we could talk, you know, how it actually goes down on next week's podcast as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've been in Ethereum, what, 2015, I think is when we had first started talking about it. And yeah, proof of work was kind of the norm at the time. But obviously, yeah, like you said, environmentally not as friendly. Um, and then about two years ago, um, I think the first proof of stake uh, nodes went online and they started mining. And now yeah, we have the Beltrix upgrade. We're getting ready for the Paris upgrade, uh, which is going to be yeah, on a mid-September, I think they said between 10th and the, 7th and the 20th. So, you know, pretty big window there. You know, it'll probably happen somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a big step because then it's going to switch over to proof of stake. Uh, it's going to start doing that. And if you remember the DevCon conferences also going in person. Uh, uh, I with remember. Oh, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> you know the, the whole thing was uh, like sharding uh, in addition to proof of stake. Uh, yeah, you were going to have um, all these other things going on. And so after the merge, which is going to be proof of stake, uh, I guess they're calling the next big upgrade the surge. I'm just excited for the whole ecosystem, really. Nice. Um, and then uh, so the last topic here is uh, actually an article from Chemical and Engineering News. Um, and it was a really great um, article. It's kind of a, a long read about um, uh, what exascale computing could mean for chemistry. A new generation of supercomputers will perform more than a quintillion calculations per second. With that computing power, chemists could run faster simulations of bigger molecular systems over longer time frames. Um, and uh, it actually quotes uh, one of our... Uh, I guess the organizations that use Nanom, which is Oak Ridge National Labs, um, and the uh, quote, uh, Bronson Messer, if we don't have a direct connection to experiment, then we're just playing very large video games. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I thought that was hilarious because, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people say uh, when our our users are in VR that they look like they're playing video games. So uh, we could definitely help them not... Uh, play video games uh, and actually connect, uh, you know, data with their experiments, uh, but they might still look like they're playing video games. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a one big thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Steve, I know that, you know, uh, you took, you know, computational nano uh, grad classes and stuff like that. What's your, what's your take on exascale compute uh, and things like that, which is also kind of in line with the Excalate for Cove thing, right? Yeah, as well. exactly. Like, like, like Excalate for Cove, they, you know, they've been using exascale computing the EU to help out with their COVID initiative. Um, you know, the U.S. Uh, getting into this and, and doing this with Oak Ridge National lab and um you know romeo maro's group that's been simulating um you know entire virus uh particles 
with you know what this says over 300 million atoms um you know her group has been really uh leading the field in terms of these very 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 large simulations uh to try to understand viruses and and sort of larger structures and, and how they work so um yeah like that other quote about you know james webb telescope and large hadron collider um, you know, by doing compute, you could actually calculate and like try to understand how things actually work. And to their point about playing video games, it's like, you know, you could look at it in the computer and like see everything. But yeah, if you don't end up validating it with experiment, um, you know, it's not going to be real science. So just like in nano, you, know, you want to design some molecules, synthesize them, test them. Um, you, know, you should be doing all that to to make sure that you're getting you know, really the full value out of the integration of using computers and trying to understand uh, experimental science. Yeah, um, I think, um, you know, another kind of really great quote uh, that I liked, and this is something that we talk about all the time, uh, which is, um, they, they say, uh, m- most importantly, exascale computers simply cannot replace human chemical intuition. Uh, heating the proverb garbage in, garbage out becomes uh, even more important when considering the amount of data that scientists working on these systems will have to sift through. Um, so, you know, I think that's a, uh, you know, a lot of times we actually run into uh, some folks uh, who say, you know, well, we don't want humans in the in the equation uh, or that we want to take out the humans in the equation, but or the process, uh, if you will. And and really, it's, um, you know, it's 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 more important that we actually have humans looking at this uh, because the the, the uh, stakes are higher right? when you have much bigger data and things like that. Exactly. Um, you know, like all these AI generated things like, uh, you know, Dolly and, and all that. Um, yeah, you have people that are giving it a prompt and then also analyzing the results and like uh, only the best results end up getting shared usually. And, um, yeah, people just keep coming up with better prompts and, and better input until it actually does the things that they want to do. So, um, yeah, I think that in, in a similar way, you know, if you just were producing all these images and hoping they were good and never really like physically looking at them with your eyes um you know you're not really going to understand how to make the system better how to give it better input how to maybe optimize the system um so yeah yeah really important to be able to understand the data uh, that's going into this and coming out of it when you look at you know large-scale compute yeah they they also another i mean it's just uh this this article is just a goldmine of some really awesome quotes but another really great quote is chemists may need to be more thoughtful about how they design their computational experiment uh, experiments to avoid going down virtual rabbit holes that yield unreproducible results with no bearing on reality avoiding that mismatch requires combining computational theory data from experiments and chemical know-how to spot the gaps um and you know this is uh, i feel like the 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 themes that we talk about with uh, you know, the metaverse, uh, VR, AR kind of really helping uh, that intuition and, and, you know, bridging that gap between the chemical know-how and the computational theory, right, as, uh, is like just so really important. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I feel like I, you know, I'm going to be citing this article way more going forward. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Anything else on the exascale compute stuff and i think that's our last article for the day yeah i mean um you know computers uh, hopefully keep getting faster and we keep seeing more uh companies uh doing exascale compute and, and research organizations like oakridge national lab um but yeah yeah it's good step in the right direction yep yep and um yeah that's it that's about it for this week's science metaverse podcast episode um next week hopefully we'll see the merge happen uh if not i'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about so we'll see you in next week's episode 
Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you in the Science Metaverse.